a lot of us have a kind of mystical view of scientists as, as performing a certain kind of black magic, which we really don't understand. And so that makes us susceptible to misleading claims about it. But if you think about Naomi Oreskes has devoted her career to demystifying science. A geologist turned historian of science, she rose to prominence in 2004 when her essay, The Scientific Consensus on Climate Change, got picked up by numerous international media outlets. She analyzed 928 abstracts published in scientific journals between 1993 and 2003 on the topic of climate change to test the idea that mainstream scientific reports were downplaying dissenting opinions about man-caused climate change. Oreskes concluded that 75% of the examined abstracts either explicitly or implicitly accepted the consensus on climate change, while none directly dissented from it. The essay was even cited by Al Gore in the movie An Inconvenient Truth. Oreskes continued her work on climate change with her book Merchants of Doubt, co-authored by Eric Conway, in which the authors delved deep into climate change denial. Oreskes and Conway drew parallels between climate change and earlier debates over tobacco smoking, acid rain, and the hole in the ozone layer. They concluded that spreading doubt was the main strategy of those opposing action in each case. The book was later turned into a documentary film. Inspired by her prior research in climate science denial, in 2019, Oreskes released a book simply titled Why Trust Science? Here she explains why. Naomi Oreskes. So the short answer is we should trust science because it has a proven track record. If you look at the history of science, you see how many important discoveries, developments, inventions uh, we can attribute to scientific knowledge. And we can show all the many ways and places in which scientists have helped us understand the natural world in ways that helps us cure disease, invent useful technologies, or just have a deeper understanding and appreciation of the world that we live in. So that's the short answer to the question. But there is a legitimate longer answer that involves the fact that um, scientists do make mistakes. Scientists are human. Science is a human enterprise. And like any human enterprise, it's fallible. And we can certainly identify examples in the history of science where scientists did get it wrong. And of course, science deniers exploit that. They'll take that out of context and see, oh, but look at this. Scientists used to say X and now they say Y. But the here, so here's the longer argument I make in the book, which is to say, well, if you actually look at some of those cases where scientists um, supported a claim that we would now say was untrue or even um, damaging, what we find in almost all those cases that actually there wasn't a scientific consensus, that there was actually considerable difference of opinion in the scientific community. And so this is one of the reasons why consensus is so important as a category and why I spent time trying to understand the scientific consensus on climate change and what it includes and what it doesn't include. When scientists actually have a consensus, we find there are actually aren't that many cases in the history of science where that's been overturned. There are a few, but that's not that many. When we see cases where we would say in hindsight that scientists were wrong, when we look in detail, we see that actually there wasn't a consensus, that people were arguing, people were disagreeing, people had not actually resolved the problem yet. And so the people who are saying, oh, scientists were wrong, are actually taking the argument out of context. They're pointing to the part of the argument where scientists were wrong and ignoring the parts of the argument where other scientists were saying, saying, well, hold on a minute, I don't think that's right. So if we, so this is why it's very important for us to understand scientific consensus. It's very important for us to know 
what the state of the scientific knowledge is, and then to base our decision making on consensus science. And so that has two consequences. It's incredibly unhelpful and damaging when journalists give space and time to views that are not the mainstream consensus views of science. It gives the wrong impression about what the state of knowledge is, and it contributes to the confusion that the industry wants. The industry wants us to be confused because they know that if we're confused, we probably would just not do anything, right? When people are confused about an issue, they often say, okay, well, whatever, I'm just going to go back to making dinner or watching the World Cup. So confusion serves the interests of the status quo. The other reason why it's important is because it tells us that some of us, at least, have to do some homework, right? Where do we find the consensus view of scientists? That's not always an easy thing for an ordinary person to know. And so you can't just go on the internet and type into Google, is climate change real? If you do that, you're going to get a whole lot of disinformation, deception, misleading websites, because there's a ton of bad stuff out there on the internet. So you have to actually go to reliable scientific sources. And that means in the case of climate, either the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the organization that the scientific community has created to review, assess, and report back on the state of scientific knowledge. So it's science presented by scientists or reports by leading scientific organizations like the Royal Society in Britain, um, d'Académie Française in France, the National Academy of Sciences here in the United States. You have to look to reputable, credible scientific organizations for reputable, credible scientific information. One of the reasons we should trust science is because it's a form of work. It's a form of expertise. And one of the things I try to do in the book is to demystify that. So right now my shower's leaking. After this podcast, I'm going to call a plumber. If my tooth hurt, I would go to a dentist. If I felt sick, I would go to a doctor. If my wiring was acting up, I would call an electrician. Um, if I needed home health care, I'd hire a nurse. And we do that all the time and we don't even think about it because of course you're going to call a plumber when you have a plumbing problem because those are the people who have been trained and who have the expertise to solve the problem. So I encourage my readers to think of science that way, that science is a form of work. And to do that work, people develop expertise, just like the plumber maybe has an apprenticeship with a, with a more senior plumber. Scientists have apprenticeships where they work with more senior scientists. We call that graduate school. They get training, they get expertise, they get certification. We don't license scientists, but we do certify them, typically with a PhD in their field. And they're fairly specialized. People, unlike a plumber who might do all kinds of plumbing, or a plumber might actually have a specialty in, I don't know, industrial plumbing or something. Scientists typically have very narrow expertise. So we should trust and respect the expertise of those workers in the same way we trust or respect the expertise of a plumber or a gardener or a dentist. Now, the caveat on that is, so with the plumber, we might get references because if a plumber has a really bad reputation, we might say, oh, OK, well, I'm not going to use that plumber. But the same applies in science, too. In her book, Oreskes writes of Karl Popper, Austrian-British philosopher of science, who insisted that the goal of science is not to prove theories, but to disprove them. According to Popper, a scientist shouldn't be seeking observations that confirm their theory, but rather those that might refute it. Oreskes argues that although that sounds noble, it's not very practical. She also disagrees with the emphasis Popper puts on an individual scientist. 
many people who don't know any philosophy of science or very little philosophy of science, the one thing they might know is the work of Karl Popper, who presented this idea of falsification, that scientists should be actively trying to refute their own theories. The problem with that is that it's not really a realistic view of how science operates. So if I have a theory that I believe is correct, I'm not going to go around trying to disprove my theory. I'm going to say that's some, for someone else. I'm going to do everything I can to persuade my colleagues that my theory is right. And I'm going to collect as much data and as much evidence as I can to support my position. But what is true, so the mistake Popper made, I think, was to look at science in, in a much too individualistic way. The reality is that scientists don't work alone. They work in communities, communities of other experts, what sociologists sometimes call communities of practice. And this, again, is one of the strengths of science because it doesn't rely on the individual scientists to be heroic and doubt their own theory. I mean, that's essentially what Popper was asking. He was asking us to be heroes and say, well, even though I believe my theory, now I'm going to set my own belief aside and try to disprove my own theory. I mean, that requires some kind of heroic level of detachment that almost nobody in the world actually has. And we certainly know, I mean, Albert Einstein didn't have it. Alfred Wegener didn't have it. Uh, Watson Crick didn't have it. I mean, most scientists don't, once they decide something's right, they don't question their own theory. But the scientific community as a whole does. And so what happens in science is, let's say I have a theory, or imagine I'm Albert Einstein, and I've presented the theory of relativity, and I think it's right, and I'm pretty sure in my bones that it's right, because Einstein absolutely was. But other people say, well, okay, hold on a minute, though. That's a pretty radical theory. How can we test it? And so one of the most famous examples in the history of science, which I've I talked about in my TED talk and I, and I have written about, so, you know, there's a big literature on this, is the Eddington Eclipse Expedition. So the general theory of relativity says that we can understand gravity not as actually being a force that acts at a distance, but actually as being the bending of space-time. And if that's true, and that's a pretty hard thing to get your head around, particularly if the year's, you know, 1910, um, so people said, well, if it's true, then starlight should be bent as it goes around massive bodies. And we could test that by looking at the pathway of light that's going past the sun, the nearest massive body to us. Now, you can't just look directly at the sun, but during an eclipse, during a solar eclipse, it would be possible to point a telescope in the direction of the sun and track the position of a star whose light path was going past the sun. And so Sir Arthur Eddington did this in 1918, and it's an extremely famous case in the history of science because it demonstrates a really crucial idea about science. We do test our theories, we do challenge our theories, but unlike what Popper argued, we don't do it as individuals, we do it as a community. And so Einstein never tested his own theory of general relativity, but Sir Arthur Eddington did. And then when Eddington presented that work to the world through scientific papers and, and journalistic reports, then Einstein could heave a great sigh of relief and sleep well at night because his theory had been shown to be correct, but it wasn't he who showed it to be correct, it was other people who showed it to be correct. Now, if it had gone the other way, this is also an important point, let's say Eddington had failed to detect the bending of starlight. Well, according to Popper's theory, scientists should have just abandoned the theory of relativity and Einstein should have said, oh, sorry, I was wrong. But that's not actually how it works either. Because if an experiment fails to confirm a theory, it could be that the theory is wrong, but it also could be that something was wrong with the experiment. Maybe the experiment wasn't done right. 
maybe the instruments weren't sensitive enough to detect the effect, especially if it's a very small effect. So if the experiment fails to confirm the theory, then you have a question and you don't just throw the theory away the way Popper said. I mean, nobody does that. And Einstein would definitely not have done that. I think we can say that with confidence. What would have happened is people would have said, okay, look, let's look at that data again. Is there another eclipse coming up somewhere in the world where we can try this experiment again, maybe with better telescopes or better, um, I don't know, better measuring devices? So it's just a whole lot more complicated than Popper emphasized. But the strength of the reality of the situation is that because you have a community of practice, you have a lot of different people working on the issue from different angles. And so, you know, the old cliche, two heads are better than one. That is how science works. Many of us have a very individualistic view of science. We think of scientists as, you know, there's some individual genius who solves these problems. And that does happen occasionally, but it's very, very rare. And even when it does happen, even when you have a genius like Einstein, you still have to have the community of people working around that person to test the theories, to work them out, to figure out if they're right or wrong. Any good scientist would. Any good scientist would be happy that people are taking the theory seriously enough to test it, because truly what really scientists dread most of all is not that their theories will be shown to be wrong, but that they will be ignored completely. Ozone is the latest season of Climate Solutions. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. This is Ozone from the European Investment Bank.